All right, time for another edition of Holden Court. Everyone, Patrick McEnroe here. And, of course, the story continues to develop down under with Novak Djokovic um, being held at the moment, as far as we know, in a hotel in Melbourne awaiting his appeal process to uh, continue. I guess it started, but now it's uh, on hold. And it's funny because I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, Matt Futterman, who writes for the New York Times, wrote a great piece that uh, I was reading this morning. And I'm always looking to, okay, who can I get on next that's, that's dialed into this store? I've had a couple Australian people on. So I thought it would be great to get Matt on. And then lo and behold, I'm coming back from getting my, yes, I got a massage this morning at my uh, massage guy's uh, house nearby. And I said, oh, Matt called me. Interesting. So as what often happens is these excellent journalists uh, look to talk to me to get some of uh, my insight. And I thought, well, Matt wants to talk to me, so why don't we just come on the podcast? So please welcome to Holding Court, Matt Futterman of the New York Times. Hey, Patrick, thanks for having me. Well, listen, I mean, I guess thanks for having me because I, you know, I said to you, why don't you just ask me the questions you want to ask me um, uh, that you can use, however you're going to use it. And who knows, maybe we'll, we'll have a little role reversal and maybe I'll ask you some questions. Sure. So why that don't we start great. with uh, as if you were calling me to, to ask me the questions that you're going to ask me. So go ahead. We're here on holding court. Let's do it. All right. Well, what do you think happened here? <laughs> what do I think happened? There, there's the question. Uh, I think this is, uh, I can say this because it's on my own podcast, Matt. It's a shit show. It's turned into a, a political firestorm down under. What, there, this is what I think happened, okay? I think that when, first of all, Djokovic was able to get the medical exemption, as you know, there were numerous people, I think 26 was the total I heard, excuse me, of people that applied for this medical exemption, some players, some support staff people associated with players, and only, we're told, a handful of those uh, exemptions were approved by the Victorian government, um, uh, essentially there's two different panels of three people, uh, independent panels to examine these exemptions. So, so when Djokovic was able to get his approved, then of course he sends out this Instagram message that he's on his way to Australia. The proverbial shit hit the fan in Australia once he did that because the public outcry was so extreme that they, they meaning the politicians, I believe in Australia, saw this and said, wait a second. We need to look into this a little bit more stringently. And they have a similar setup, Matt, down in Australia that we have as far as the government, <clears throat> excuse me, is concerned with the federal government running certain things. The state governments have their own regulations and laws. And, of course, the state of Victoria, which is where Melbourne, the, uh, the, the city is where the tournament's played, running this uh, process. But the federal government's in charge of border patrol and who gets in the country. And that's where I think over the course of those 28 hours or so when Djokovic got on the plane and the firestorm continued to grow amongst the locals in Australia, that's where I think politics became came involved. And the border patrol, as the prime minister himself made public comments about it, said, we're, we're going to look at this a little bit more closely, this, this quote-unquote medical exemption. And that's where they started to find some problems with uh, apparently the, the evidence that Djokovic did put forth to, to, to warrant him getting the exemption. And I think he's being used in this case is Djokovic. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that we could say 
uh, that Djokovic has not done right, okay, over the course of the last couple of years especially. I think there's a few of those things. But, num- but, but I think he did follow the rules that were put in front of him for this situation. But because he's Novak Djokovic and because it was maybe a little bit unclear about exactly what exemption he was looking for, I think that's, that's when they brought down the hammer as far as uh, the border control was concerned. And now, so, so now we're in this limbo situation. That's the way I see it. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I see it that way. I think it's also just interesting to look at it, you know, sort of in this moment where and what you're saying is describing is the dynamic of the politicians reacting to this public outcry. And it, it, it seems like, you know, there is a certain segment of society, I don't know what it is, but let's say roughly 70% of the people, at least in this country, you know, have done their part, gotten vaccinated. They just don't want, they, they don't want to put up with this stuff anymore. You know, they don't want to put up with the explanations. They don't want to put up with, you know, anyone who seems to be asking for special treatment or standing in the way of what, you know, the scientists and the doctors say is the quickest exit and the safest exit and the safest behavior out of the pandemic. So, I mean, that, you know, we've seen it with some athletes here. Right. Um, you know, and, and so it's, you know, I wonder how much that dynamic is sort of, uh, sort of taken hold. It's that the public is sort of making its words, making itself, making itself heard and through the politicians of, you know, we just don't want to deal with this. Well, is that you, where you think we are? Yeah. And no, I mean, you talk about the percentage, Matt, of, uh, you know, in, in our country, it's what, 62, 63%, you know, higher in certain areas of the country where we, we live in the New York area, it's, it's higher. But how about this? In Australia, okay, it's well over 90% of the public that are eligible to be vaccinated are vaccinated. Uh, and I mm-hmm. believe it's even higher in Melbourne and Victoria. Now, Victoria, the state where Melbourne, as I said, is located, they've been through 262 days of total lockdown over the course of the last, you know, call it almost two years. Uh, and I have a lot of friends there. I'm sure you do in the media world. Uh, I have a lot of friends in the media world, in the TV world, and the, you know, just people I know through tennis, obviously. And they're just like... Th- they're fed up with this idea that, I mean, they're, they're, they even have issues at some point with the tournament happening. That was last year. This year, I think, you know, they've started to let people back into the country. Even to be an Australian citizen and to get back in the country was fraught with all sorts of logistical uh, nightmares. You know, Darren Cahill, I know, you know, through his work with Simona Halep and on ESPN. I mean, this guy had to go through a four-week quarantine to just to get back to see his family, and he's completely vaccinated. So the, the, the normal Australian citizen, I think you're right, feels mm-hmm. like they've done their part and then some. And, and then they don't want to see somebody coming in bending the rules. Now, of course, they, they, they use Djokovic because he's famous. He's number one in the world. He's got a reputation of sort of, you know, having some, some kind of bizarre theories uh, and sort of doing it his own way. But when it comes to, okay, you can do it your own way. You can make your decision not to get vaccinated, but then you can't just sort of saunter into our country and act like nothing's happened because a lot has happened down there. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, they they seem just uh, just done with it, and their lockdowns are no joke. I mean, I've been there. You know, last year I was there during one of the lockdowns, which happened in the middle of the tournament, and 
you know, they patrol it. It's not like here where it's please stay in your house. Right. And, you know, and don't go out and, you know, but, but you're, you know, you can go, you can basically do whatever you want as long as, you know, it's discouraged, it's discouraged. But no, they closed down. I mean, it, it, like you would not, like, like nothing we have ever experienced here. And, you know, you can't, you, re, you get in big trouble if you go within kind of farther than what, about five kilometers from your house, or from your house, you're allowed one outside one hour a day. Um, yeah, there was, it, they have, they have gone through a lot. They have, they have gone through a lot there. And, you know, I mean, look, when this all happened, it, I thought of <laughs> the firestorm around Aaron Rodgers. You know, right. which happened not long ago. Um, you know, yeah, I think there's there's obviously a segment of the population here who's who's right with him. There's a lot of anti-vax people here. Um, but there's a lot of people who were, you know, just had had it with him. And, you know, we'll never think of him the same again in a way that, you know, I think a few years ago, if he had, before the pandemic, if he had been talking about some of his non-traditional views of, of health and science or whatever, and you mentioned his jokes, some of his sort of bizarre ideas about faith and prayer, being able to purify water and stuff like that, you know, they're sort of seen as quirky. Um, not so much anymore, especially when it comes to a vaccination. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're allowed to have your own beliefs, but once those beliefs start to, you know, impact other people, and particularly when you're talking about a global pandemic, you know, that's where um, things start to get a little dodgy. I mean, you can feel passionately, right, about your own personal belief, but it seems to me, Matt, that the test of one's sincerity is your willingness to then suffer the consequences from that personal belief. So it seems like whether you're Aaron Rodgers, now Kyrie Irving back, being able to play, that, uh, now that, that Kyrie Irving has certainly suffered some consequences of not being able to play throughout most of this season thus far. But if you're a Novak Djokovic, um, okay, uh, you've made your decision, but you haven't really had to suffer the consequences that many other people, particularly the people in Australia, and I was told from countless sources down there, listen, you know, we know people that tried to get exemptions to see loved ones that were dying in the hospital, uh, whether within their state or with across state lines, weren't able to do it, denied, denied time and time again by for the interests of the overall uh, safety and, and health and well-being of the, of the overall society. So if you insist on this belief against these, as what you noted correctly, these broadly perceived public interests, you can't expect the public interest to just continue to accommodate you. And I think that's what's happened with this Djokovic situation. Yeah. I wonder if this is what we're going to, I mean, I wonder how it's going to play out for him for the rest of the season. Um, well, but look, before we get to I that, mean, let me, let me yeah. ask you, th let me ask you this, man. Again, Matt Futterman of the New York times joining me here on holding court. What, what do you think is going to happen within the next week? Because Djokovic is in a hotel He's quarantined. Supposedly, they're not going to hear, continue to hear his appeal until Monday, which is you know four, three to four days from from right now. And and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, the longer he stays there, you know, doesn't it sort of increase the possibility that somehow his appeal could actually be uh, acknowledged and and maybe he will get to stay in the country? That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Where are you at? 
Well, I was, yeah, I mean, I was surprised that it didn't get dealt with quickly, but I guess there is some level of due process there that, you know, you're allowed to be seeking this, uh, you know, you're allowed to seek this, this kind of belief. Um, I mean, I thought, you know, my, it's funny, just on a very human level, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be somewhere where people don't want me. So I think it's interesting that he's, you know, he seems not to have that, be having that reaction. I mean, he, look, he's well aware of what is going on and the firestorm that has erupted and, you know, kept in a room and then sent to a, you know, a, 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 a hotel and, you know, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he is going through what I went through last year when, you know, I didn't, when I, I had to quarantine there, which is, you know, there was a guard outside my door. Like I, I couldn't, I could, there was, there's no getting out for an hour a day and going for a walk. And you know, he's, he's in a room. So this is, this is not pleasant what he's experiencing. And it's certainly not what you would want to be doing 10 days before the start of a grand slam. Right. Um, so, but yes, I mean, I think there's a level of due process. I have a rather cynical view of the world as a journalist for a long time. You know, I see a lot of plenty of judges as politicians in robe. And it's hard for me to not, it's hard for me to see this going his way, even though right. he has, even though he's, you know, sort of establishing a kind of squatter's rights in some sense. Um, I don't know that, that you know, I, I, I think there's every incentive to, to give him a due process and not let him say um, if that's what their decision is. And it's, it's hard for me to see after the prime minister has taken such a hard position about no special treatment. And it seems like he is getting some kind of, there, there are some, you call them loopholes, but there are some things that he is experiencing that other people arriving there would not be experiencing. I, I just don't see a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, when I've when I've heard when I've heard of these types of instances, you know, not related to tennis, obviously, of someone being stopped at a border of a country and being not allowed in for whatever issue, whether it's visa related or um, whatever else it may be, they're like, "You're on the next plane out of here. Like, here's the next flight, and get get on it and get out." So that hasn't happened here. All right, let me let's address your other um, comment that you made, which I think is equally as important now moving forward, certainly in the for the world in general, but particularly for the tennis world which is it, it seems to me that this is just a start. This is just a start of this ball going down this mountain and it's not going to stop, which is that every country, uh, uh, certainly we've heard from Italy, that they're going to um, have stricter laws when it comes to being vaccinated and coming into the country. France, you've heard from Macron, the leader there, saying, you know, he's had it, he's pissed off at the unvaccinated. My guess is the United Kingdom, where, of course, Wimbledon is played, uh, may have similar, and, and, and maybe the United States will at some point. So this is going to get in, it, it sounds to me, that if Djokovic wants to continue to be this person that's not vaccinated, um, that he's going to have to go through this process almost to go anywhere. It would seem like it. You know, uh, I, I, I mean, let's just take a, a, a very sort of concrete scenario. So the U.S. Open is played in New York. Right now you can't work inside in New York, I don't think. This is what's keeping Kyrie Irving from playing in Brooklyn. It, you can't work outside unless you're vaccinated, right? 
that's the, that's, that's basically as I understand it. Arthur Ashe Stadium, with the roof closed, was deemed an indoor venue last year. That's why when they would close the roof, all of a sudden everybody was watching the mask and suddenly put on a mask. Yeah, they're supposed to wear the mask, but nobody really did. But okay, yeah, keep no, going. We did, right. but, it, but it's one. But it's one thing I did. I can tell you. I, yeah, so did I. Um, oh. Yeah, but if it's. Uh, you know, last night I wanted a picture of me and Arthur Ashe Stadium on appearing on Twitter. Like, you know, <laughs> right. The New York Times journalist thinks he's special and doesn't have to follow the rules. Yeah, there goes your job but, at the New York Times. It's just like me with right. ESPN. When I'm courtside with ESPN, they're like, Patrick, put your mask on. I'm like, no one else has it around. Doesn't matter. Put it on. Right. So, but he, and, you know, and so all of a sudden, okay, he's, he's playing in Arthur Ashe and it starts raining. And you put the roof on. Can he not play anymore? Mm-hmm. Does he have to be ushered out of the building? Do they have to schedule? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, so, okay, you say, all right, well, we'll just put his matches on Armstrong because that's an outdoor arena, even when it has a roof. Because, you know, as we all saw, the rain come in the sides. There's plenty of air there. So, you know, do they have to schedule him on Armstrong for the first week of the tournament? Uh, all right, but then... There's semis in the final, like, you know, like there's, there's, a, that's a roof, there's a roof over Armstrong, too, by the way. Right, but I think right. it's ruled as an outdoor. Oh, the route outdoor because yeah, well, we saw what happened last year with the wind and the rain, right? In the wind and the rain, <laughs> right, right, right. right. That, even though that has to do with that considered outdoor. That's true. So, Good point. Yeah. You know, there's a quirky little, right. you know, like there's all kinds of quirks here, but yeah, I don't know what McCon's going to do. Who knows what London's going to do? Uh, it's it's you know it's it's the it's, you just wonder why he doesn't get a get a shot. You know, I mean, it's it seems like the simplest thing. There's hundreds of Hundreds of millions of people, if not billions of people, already who have gotten who have gotten this shot, and and the overwhelming majority have not suffered any ill effects. Right, but uh, I but I but I get I get texts and messages from friends of mine who uh, are anti-vax who will constantly send me material. I'll look at the amount of people that died from getting the vaccine or that got severe illness from getting the vaccine, and you know I've 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 given up trying to convince those people because you know you know in the past I'd send back all the other material that says well look at all the people that have taken the vaccine as you just noted you know billion millions and millions of people have taken it and I I don't know one person and pretty much everybody I know in the, in where, around where I live in Westchester County and then in New York City where I work has taken the vaccine and I haven't heard one person say anything negative about getting it other than what we've seen in the last obviously month or so of people getting it again including yours truly who got it again on Christmas Eve when I was testing with my family to go see my brothers I tested positive for uh, COVID for the second time then when my, my daughter got it then one of my other daughters got it now luckily we don't have the same concerns about overall health that we had with this variant it's been very you know pretty mild but the logistics the logistical problems for, you know, going to work, kids going to school, they got to stay out 10 days. Now we got to set them up on Zoom. We got so in other words, I'm only telling you the, the, everybody this and you this, Matt, because it just it, it, it symbolizes to me what all of us are having to deal with a lot of crap. You know, de- just dealing with a lot of stuff, even if we're not worried, knock on wood, as I'm doing now, a big out- about getting seriously ill. And there are people that are still getting seriously ill and still dying from this. And that, to me, is this, you know, why this, this issue is so important, not just for tennis, but for the world, because it's sort of a microcosm, I think, of what's going on. Um, all right. <clears throat> We've been on for 20 minutes. It's flown by already. 
and I appreciate you uh, being willing to do this, but is there anything that you still want to ask me, Matt, that you haven't asked me? Because this was supposed to be you interviewing me. Right, right. Well, do you, how do you think it, I mean, how do you think this ends for Djokovic in terms of, you know, this is a guy who, controversy just dogs this guy. He cannot, he, he, I mean, it's, most of it is self-inflicted, um, but, you know, he just, can't get it can't get out of it. it it can't get out of his way in some sense what does this do to his sort of stature mm. in the locker room in the sport uh somewhat among fans i mean i'm just curious where where do you see his sort of image going um as, as he moves forward well, they're going to be the people that support him that, uh, as I see on social media, are going to continue to support him and they're going to use him as sort of their guy who stood up to the ty- tyranny of the authoritarian government in Australia and so on and so forth. And that can, can happen, continue to happen around the world. There are obviously people that are very anti-Jokovic uh, that have been for years and that will use this uh, to continue to say this, is a, this guy's a ba- I don't think he's a bad guy, by the way. I think he's done some things that are, as, as we've talked about, a little wacky and a little weak. But I've always found him to be a very pleasant individual, someone that seems to really care about the game. He put on this exhibition at the beginning of the pandemic, which I believe he put on with the right intentions to try to help people and do something positive. Of course, it turned into a super spreader event and it turned into a complete debacle when he did that uh, that tour. He got COVID. His wife got COVID. Dimitrov, other players got it. So he's you're right. He's managed to find his way into controversy throughout his career, one way or the other. And in some ways, it's driven him. It's been part of his drive to be uh, as great as he is. I don't think it hurts his legacy as a player at all. I mean, the player, the numbers are there. I think he'll continue to, if he can get through this, he'll continue to play. I mean, I thought when he got defaulted from the U.S. Open, Matt, that this would throw him for a tailspin, you know, throw him for a loop. Well, lo and behold, he wins the next three majors he's played, and then he's in the finals of the U.S. Open. So that's what I'm saying. He manages to thrive with this sort of negative attention around him. Um, but it's going to affect his, his stature just as an individual, or he is, and, and his legacy of how he's going to be remembered. But when you look at just what he's done in the court, I mean, you can't argue with that. So I don't think it's going to affect that at all. I, the locker room issue, I don't think it's actually that big of a deal. Because I think the the guys in the locker room, they sort of brush it off and they're like, you know, Novak's Novak. He's going to figure out a way to do it. You know, a lot of the players like him. Um, you know, Medvedev and he seem to have a good relationship. Zverev, they seem to get along well, the younger guys. And, and he's chased down Nadal. He's chased down Federer. Um, over the course of his career. So he's been that kind of third guy, and he's not as universally loved as we know. Um, but I think in the locker room, it's, you know, they're, they're just going to roll with it either way. They, I think people, uh, you know, you heard from Jamie Murray, you heard from different people like, oh, if I had uh, attempted to get an exemption, it never would have happened. But, you know, Novak's Novak, so of course he got it. Well, maybe he actually does have some sort of medical condition. I mean, it's possible. It's not. It's unlikely, mm-hmm. right? That a great athlete. I hear that too from people. How could this guy have some medical condition and play? You know, five hours and fifty-two minutes against Nadal in the Australian Open final, and so on and so forth. Well, it it's not impossible, right? That he could have something. No, he could be allergic. To, I mean, there are people yeah. who are allergic. Right. To 
right. the ingredients in the vaccine. Yeah, you know, so it's uh, possible. Uh, yeah. So I guess my short answer, it wasn't short, it was long, was that I don't think it's going to affect his, his legacy as, as a player, but as an individual, as a person, you know, it's, it's, it's all there. Warts and all. Yeah. yeah. No, and I should say he's always been nothing but a gentleman in my interactions with him. And, you know, thoughtful, generous with his time. And he's a, he's a guy who will finish a match at 1 o'clock in the morning in New York and then go into the interview room and not spend three minutes there and give one-word answers, but he'll spend 20, 30 minutes and be expansive in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Right. And, you know, and like, and people, when people ask me about what is he like, what's he doing on the court, is he, you know, because he's, he's got a different kind of way of carrying himself. And, you know, I always say, look, he's different. He's, he's quirky. He's flawed like we all are, but he's never, like I said, he's never been anything but a gentleman with me. And like I said, generous, but, you know, emotionally generous, mm-hmm. uh, thoughtful. And, um, so it, it, it can be a bit baffling when you see him sort of shoot himself in the foot like that. Yeah, and again, you know, even on the court, I mean, you see his his uh, intensity, and sometimes that works against him, and sometimes he gets irritated and and pissed off and breaks rackets. But he's also, I mean, as far as like great players, I mean, I don't remember that many that you know clap on on other great players as great shots at big moments and and um, give support to his opponent. You know what I mean? Like like he 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 respects he he respects his opponents. He claps on great shots. Um, so there's a lot of positives about him too, but there are some negatives. Uh, like you said, though, you put it perfectly. He's, he's human. He's like all of us. We all have our own issues and, um, you know, he's out there and he's in the spotlight. And I think being in the spotlight, the way he is, uh, partly because of his personality, but mostly because he's number one in the world. Um, and he's trying to make his continue to make history. I think that's, to me, that's sort of the negative of this whole thing is that that's, I think, why this has become such a political hot potato in the world and particularly in Australia. Yeah, certainly. Well, let's, right. well, let's, well. Leave it, let's leave it at that. Matt Futterman of the New York Times, everyone. We did a little role reversal, and I appreciate you being willing to do this. I'll continue to follow you uh, at the paper, and, of course, you know where to reach me, Matt. I, absolutely. Let's, and let everybody see how the sausage is made. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Take care. Okay, take care. That's Matt Futterman here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.